0: it before global warming set in <laughs> and I was you could wait outside Orchestra Hall in 20 below weather for the gift of getting a, a turn-back ticket and it was in the era of uh, Sir George Solti, and the, the symphony then was just a, a stunning technical instrument and I remembered one concert before Uh, he did a pre-concert lecture, and something stuck in my mind that I hear in my mind very frequently. And he he said this, he says, You know you're working with a good orchestra when in the first rehearsal they play the piece better than you imagined it. And that has happened Sunday after Sunday in this church, is that the worship services have emerged better than I've been able to imagine them, better than I conceived, and for that I'm grateful to all the musicians in this church and to Derek who's even fixing the instrument as we speak. So, uh, <laughs> I am, uh, for the first time in 25 years, I'm playing a Bach fugue on the little concert we're having after church for donors and I was hoping maybe I was getting off the hook. And if you haven't been a donor to our concert fund, I would maybe suggest that if you do so, they might let you into that little concert afterwards. Uh, We'll see how that goes. I've never preached a music ministry Sunday before. The rivalry between musicians and preachers uh, has been nearly nearly conceived since music was invented as a gift of the Western (laughs) church to the world. Uh, so, on every music ministry I've had, the music director has insisted on preaching as a form of rebuttal, I think. <laughs> and so, in, in return, I never listened to their sermon either. <laughs> but it is a gift to me, actually, to be able to speak about something that's very close to my heart. As I've been with this congregation for now for a year, one thing about you I do know is that your spiritual DNA is rooted in two things. A love of music across all of its genres and and a passion for social justice. It's not necessarily so that these two come together. It has, in fact, been the case, as I alluded in the might well comment about the psalm that some theological traditions have held music in great suspicion, partly because of its, of its power. Uh, I forgot now who, one theologian, I think it might be Karl Barth, loved Mozart, but he didn't like Bach. He said Bach did too much preaching in his writing. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a danger. I'm not going to talk about a lot of that today. I thought maybe I'd make that argument for you for music and worship, and I thought that was dumb because we're all believers already. <laughs> But I will say, I will point that there's an important caveat to recognize, and if you ever, and I can maybe put it most easily without delving into the history this way, if you've ever sat in a movie that you realize the script was just terrible and found your heart swelling into some joyful moment of even a tear or two, realize that was music manipulating you into thinking that movie was a lot better than it was. And so that is why theologians have held that there's a certain danger in the power of music. It's not necessarily the case that great music makes good people. I remember in music history, I began to study the life of Wagner. I would advise against that if you actually like Wagner. And of course, the Nazi propaganda in the... 20th century. It was built around stunning high German music. It's not always the case that these two are together. So I'm just going to leave that today, and we can discuss that another time. Instead, I'd like to talk to you how music has helped me to believe, for certainly it has been the case in periods of my own doubt that my faith has remained secure through the practice of music and as we get to know one another over the years I hope to make clearer to you that that belief and faith are not the same things. Faith is a matter of the heart and the soul and trusting to something that we perhaps cannot always think. Musically I was a late bloomer for good or bad it wasn't, I'd taken piano lessons early in life, but it wasn't really until I had it wasn't until that teenage angst set in that I actually began to practice. And it was really sort of a form of comfort for me to be in a practice room away from everybody, uh, letting my emotions play out and the music passed on to me by someone else. It was an experience in music that, there, music, there's something about it that, that, places in our heart a peace, as Paul would say in Philippians, a peace that passes understanding. It's been a bedrock of my life. But then also, that sort of maybe the theologian in me early, even in that musty old cinder block practice room at the base of a poorly built music building at my local university and close to high school, I began to think, okay, why? I mean, why is it that I receive so much spiritual comfort from just this, uh, this me and a piano and a score? Why? And also, it has been that critical inquiry, that thinking why that's the case, that probably has delivered me here rather than over there. <laughs> and the world may be better for that because I can't sight-read my way out of Mary Had a Little Lamb. But why? Why is, why is music the spiritual force in our life? It's nearly undeniable. <laughs> this is a funny thing. Uh, sort of the, the ugliest part of the Reformation was in Scotland. John Knox uh, went through and knocked all of the art and windows out of the glorious cathedrals in, in Scotland. You know, for this, it's the Word of God, not the art, that's the powerful thing. Uh, but now if you go visit the High Kirk of Scotland, what you've got is a glorious stained glass, a million-dollar pipe organ, and a sculpture of Knox in the sanctuary. <laughs> he's, he's planted out in the uh, parking lot somewhere, but <laughs> the cathedral is glorious. Arts persevere. Why? It was one day, I think I was preparing for a problem that might have been my first no, my senior year, my, senior? my second uh, attempt to play. We did sort of contests in that, er- that era in high schools. And you get together and you play something and get scored. And I was working on, I think it was the, Dorothy, it must have been the Rachmaninoff G minor prelude. Uh, powerful on the ends, really slurpy in the middle. I really ate that stuff up. And I was thinking about it, and I realized there's someone writing 150 years before me. 150, 100. Who knew something of what I feel. And I realized that in music, we are not alone. Even when we think we're alone, we're not alone. My soul is communion with a soul hundreds of years before who knew something of my soul to write a piece of music that in the course of time it carried or my, knew my emotional tapestry so well that it spoke to me. That is, I think, the essence of why music is such a powerful spiritual force in our lives. If Trinity is true, it means that truth is not about objective facts. Truth is about relationality. Being human is being human together. If God is God, God has chosen not to be God alone, but God in communion. So it is the unique power of music, the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think strength in our time might be we could stand to have a long conversation in the church by, by substituting strength with sensuality. <laughs> but music is a very physical, sensual thing that employs both our soul, our mind, our heart. And so all of these forces then are joined together in communion with one another. And if Christ taught us anything, is that the road to God is hidden beneath the fragile fragility of our relationships with one another. It is music that then draws us forth into communion with God, for us, some of us, not everybody, but it's one valid pathway. I'm a little lost. Oh. I do have one more point. I could have stopped there, but I don't think I will. (laughs) I was Googling a great story I remembered from uh, three or four years ago uh, about an atheist uh, who attended a Messiah concert at Christmas every year. Let that sink in for a moment. (laughs) We live at a remarkable moment in Western culture, the f- the past five hundred years have been an effort, uh, the age of reason, the discovery of the power of the mind to comprehend everything. And at the end point, we have arrived at something called secularism, which is the which is the thought that all <laughs> everything we are, everything we do, all about the world can be explained through through science and the the power of the mind. A lot of that is true. I certainly, I am a believer in global warming. If you are out there trying to figure out if the Grand Canyon could have been made in 4,000 years, you're a fool. Listen to science. God gave it to us. But it doesn't explain everything. I can look out into one of those glorious California sunsets over the ocean. We know all the science behind it, how light gets refracted through the, the sun, splits into, into many colors, add a, little, add a little smog in there, it's even better. <laughs> you can explain it all, but you can't get at the meaning of it. Why? raises the heart, makes the world beautiful. Beautiful is a sacrament of whatever we call God. It turns out at the end of this modern period Western culture is extraordinarily unhappy. We are alone in a social media world. We struggle for meaning Our rationality has become unhinged. We invent facts. This next millennia will not be less religious, it will be more. And the question before you is what voice will you be in this world? Will we let the, or, as Harry Emerson Fosdick at the beginning of the last century gave a famous sermon where he said this, and I'm no Harry Emerson Fosdick, but he said, we cannot let the fundamentalists win. We must be salt for the earth. It doesn't mean we have to take over the earth, but it does mean that we can bless it. We can bring it joy. Jesus said, I have come. That you may have abundant life. We have the gift of music. I have not thought ministry to be rocket science. (laughs) If I were to teach a pragmatic seminary class, I could do it in a day. Love the people, all of them, not just the ones you like. And then love what the people love, go to their concerts. I heard Thomas sing that solo at the Cal State Long Beach Elijah concert. You should have gone. It was extraordinary. like at the conservatory next door. You love music. Support. Support the musicians, the people what they love. What you love and they love go together. What a remarkable chance that is. And yes, continue our ministry of social action. It is that extraordinary communion which we experience together, which gives us hope for a world, a day of peace that though it seems dimly lit will give the world hope. What modernity lacks is hope, and we have it. In our music, may God be glorified. And in Bach's famous signature, to God alone will be the glory, now and forever. Amen.